All right. All right, we're um, a little bit over here. Sorry about the delay. Just everything is happening at once this morning. So um, we we um, uh, are resuming kind of back into the book from the the departure, talking about kind of the Old Testament, the significance of the Old Testament, and we talked last week about the what the reasons for the cross aren't. And we said that we're going to get into what the reasons for the cross are. So I didn't really go deep into that aspect. So this week I want to talk about or start talking about some of the elements of atonement. It's a a big topic. It's Christ's main work. He's got lots of works, but this is his main work, at least as far as we're concerned. Uh, So I want to... uh, begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Glenn, you want to read that? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Is this? No. That's first. That's first Corinthians four three. Let's read it. Read it because you might be reading the right one, and I might have wrote the wrong one. That's more likely what happened. I probably messed these all up. Uh, it's the passage where it says uh, the, the talks about the first importance, uh, talking about the definition of the gospel. It's got to be First Corinthians fifteen. That's what I would think. I don't know why I wrote four. Let me try. But... Four is it eleven? either 11 or 15. Yes. Okay, there we are. Okay, why don't uh, read that one. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, and I have no idea why I wrote 4. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and he that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Okay. Um, so that, he says, I passed on to you. He said, here it says, you said, first of all, and some will say, of first importance. Um, so it's not just 
he's not just simply talking about a chronology, an order of chronology that he talked about, but that what he delivered, he's delineating by importance. So we talked about the object of the cross, that we said all of those things are connected to the cross. Satan is connected to the cross. We're connected to the cross. But the object of the cross is what? Okay, so that's the gospel. What? Sin is the object of the cross. Satan is connected because he's the tempter. I'm connected because I'm the one who sinned. The covenant is connected. We talk about all those different things that people make. The relationship is connected because that was broken when Adam sinned. Like all of these things are connected. But sin itself is the object and the intent of the cross. Uh, So uh, that is the thing that makes all of the other scriptures about the cross make sense. Um, So we're going to talk about, we're going to start going through some of the words that are related um, to, to atonement. And the first one... We find in Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to look at this, and it's not mentioned a lot, but it's an important one. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before. Hebrews 9, verse 3 through 7. Uh, Diane, and we'll kind of hope uh, that the rest of these are the right, uh, no typos here. Hebrews 9, 3 through 7. Okay, so that well, okay, so that's the the problem is is I've I've got like multiple versions going on and, and some of them I'm looking for the word propitiation specifically. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's just as good a chance as I'm looking at different because there was like a, on this topic there's so much from the book of Hebrews I might have deleted the wrong. Um, wrong text but we are going to we'll get into uh propitiation uh the word propitiation we've talked about words that aren't in the in our languages because they're not ideas that we have right you 
if you never saw the sky, you would not have a word for sky in your language, right? So, so the, whether it be atonement, right? Other, other religions don't have an idea really of atonement. Uh, they, so like English, we made up a word, at one minute. All religions have a moral code, but not all religions have an idea of you have to fix the past stuff you did, right? And so God addressed that, but it was not an evangelistic religion. The, the Hebrew faith was not evangelistic. So, so they just had an idea of, you know, uh, we need crops, we should offer a sacrifice. And so they have all these things, but they didn't really have something to equal that. Well, they also don't have a really developed sense of guilt in terms of, you know, very specific in terms of the things I've done and the harms I've done against my creator. That's not a, you know, outside of the Hebrew faith. At that point in time, that's, that's, a, that's a Hebrew idea exclusively. So propitiation is, or, or like, like replacement, is an idea that's exclusive, really. So, so really, propitiation, propitiation, the, our word really comes from the idea, the English word, and almost all of the other words are really not adequate. They talk about appeasement. That's what, that's what the word originally means, is if you go back in English to the, right, because why? Because Anglo-Saxons didn't have an idea of replacing someone replacing like a like a like a animal an animal wasn't killed to replace my sin as it was here and even even this passage does go into that um talking about uh you know Aaron going in and and offering it and, and first for himself and then having to go back for the sins of the people and things like that that's not what it was for. It was for appeasement. It's for our, we're, ha, we're in the middle of a drought. We must have done something to the gods. We need to appease the gods, then we get our crops. That was the idea. That's the closest that most cultures could do. So, so they had to pick a word when they're translating the Bible into all the world languages. That kind of comes close. So, First um, John chapter 2, verse 2. We're just going to keep crossing our fingers until we get something. Here, First uh, John two two. Speaking of pagan religions, um, Travis, you want to read that? First John two two. Just two. Okay. Use the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, so so we have the idea that he's he's the sacrifice, the replacement, right? The this is the word propitiation here. Not just, and he's the propitiation for what? Sins. And that we're, coming, we're going to come back to this again. The, Aaron went in to offer sacrifices for sins. Let's see. Sacrifice and sin are connected. The object of sacrifice is sin. It's not me. I'm like really, really close. It's not Satan. It's not all these other things. It is sin. And it says here, the extent 
for which Christ was the propitiation for whose sin? The entire world. It, it, it extends beyond now just the Hebrew people. And in fact, we, we could even go and say, he even did that for the sins of the past that had already been committed. It's not even just like, you know, you make a law. If we make a law, we, we go, oh, well, it's, uh, we don't have de facto laws. I can't arrest you for stuff you did yesterday. We made a law today. Christ does de facto forgiveness. He, he goes, I'm going to retroactively forgive everybody who died already under that covenant. That's how powerful my sacrifice is. That's amazing. So, um, so we begin with that idea. Now, we're going to talk about a, a concept that is of uh, debate uh, in religious circles today. And it is the idea of satisfaction or substitution. Um, so satisfaction theory is that, that, God, that Christ had to satisfy God's wrath through his sacrifice. Okay? It's the one probably most of us are familiar with. There's a lot of debate about that. We talked about uh, some people who... When we, talk, when we talk about some of those ideas, those who disagree with that base their ideas on some of those people we've mentioned. Peter Abelard, for one. Um, probably the most, um, and that, that uh, the official name um, of his theory is called moral influence theory. If you hear that, sounds good, moral influence I like that word. Moral influence means that the that, that goes back to the idea that, that Christ's death was uh, it was to try to motivate us to do good. See, see how uh, nice um, Jesus was. That should motivate me to want to love him for sacrificing himself for me. And and that's that was that's the extent of what the death does um, because if we if we talk about substitution for sin then God's punishment is unavoidable God's anger against something is unavoidable that those two things have to be and, and a lot of people don't like that picture of a God or of Jesus because that that sounds that sounds very pagan right these angry gods you know running around and that, that's, that's a pagan idea, and we don't like God like that. We like nice God who loves, and he does. And, and we don't like to think of the alternate side, that, that, that other side of God, which is vengeful and, and, and things like that. So, so this became a, a, a popular theory, and it's very popular today as we live in a, in a culture that doesn't want to be told no about anything. Right? It, no is, is it's very restrictive, it's restraining, and it sounds angry. And I don't like a God who says no. So, so these, these theories are, are very popular today. They're all throughout the music you'll listen to. Um, any, any Christian music is not that God isn't love. He is. The Bible says that. But he's more than one character trait. So... Um, 
most of those, there's an interesting thing. I want to just look real quick and then we'll get it back into the scripture. Those who teach this today, uh, uh, what we call the moral influence theory would be uh, what were Anabaptists. Anabaptists are not related to the Baptists. Um, those who come from Anabaptists would be Mennonites and Amish, primarily. There are a couple others, but those are descendants of the of the of that movement. Uh, iron, ironically, um, anybody that's Reformed has what we call the Reformed Protestants. So, um, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Anglican also teach varying degrees of this. The ironic thing about this is, is that it's those reformed, uh, we, 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 go, we go back a few weeks uh, talking about those are the faiths that teach Calvinism. And this, is, I, this is to me completely ironic. That those faiths that teach that we are totally evil and we can't do anything good of our own, then turn around and say, that the purpose of the cross is so that we could look at them and be motivated to do good. It's like, well, you're saying now that I'm supposed to be motivated out of my own observations to do good when that's impossible by this other doctrine that you have over here. Uh, it's like, like we, we simultaneously formed two doctrines that we didn't realize were self-contradictory. So, um, and uh, then you will see it in any um, liberal wing of Protestantism, like uh, Unitarianism or anything like that, where they don't want to be told that there's an official way to do anything. Right? They're going to like this theory because it's, it's nice Jesus. Um, so, uh, and basically, if you have a, a, any church where you're not sure if you subtracted the word church from their name and you're not sure if it would be like a fitness club or like a therapeutic, like elevate church or liquid church or lift church or whatever. Like, I'm not sure what they do there. If I took the word church out of, they'll be in, they're all in on this stuff. Okay. Uh, So, Yes. Huge, like, I don't know, mood swings, changes in perception, changes in things, and yet we we say God is just this one thing. How how can you? Right. Right. No. Not that. And and he. We do it very arbitrarily when we switch. He does it very deliberately, um, and he has this. He has the character trait to be able to be them at the same time you know i I mean i suppose we can too it's like you know i i used to try to make my mom laugh when she was spanking me thinking (laughs) if i can get her to laugh she would she would like not be able to spank me and so she's laughing spanking me i'm like this is not computing so uh never worked um anyway Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, we know this one well. Because we want to start addressing 
the concept of God's wrath. Is that a real thing? And, and God and substitution for uh, sin, is that a real thing? Does the Bible teach that? Because it, we, we want to get into really what the Bible says. That's the, the important thing. So, um, Marge, you want to read Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 8. Uh, through eight. All we like, <clears throat> all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has made the light on him the guilt and iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, he was submissive, and opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who among them considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? So, um, looking at some of the words in here, I'm not sure how we find harshness of God to be something you can remove from this text and still be left with a text. There are Bibles that try to this and another uh, some of the passages. The Good News, the Good News Bible. If you uh, uh, if you remember that, um, uh, it's also the Good News translation. I it's got another actual official name, I think, um, but it was actually written to get to promote the moral influence theory. Um, and I, I had the name of the guy who translated it, but he's one of the modern Peter Abelards. Uh, he, he died in the 80s, I think, or 70s, but, or 80s or 90s, excuse me. And, and his big thing was, was getting rid of that theory. So, so Romans 3.25, various ones that talk about, uh, we'll, we'll go there in a second, that talk about anything that has to do with God's, God's anger, they've tried to take out. But look at the words in here. Look at the, the things, the actions that God does to Christ. The word, these are the verbs. Strike, smite, afflict, pierce, crush, chastise, cut off. Those are not pleasant words. And, and, and again, you look at the various words that describe the reason. Sins, iniquities, transgressions, griefs, sorrows. These are not just my sadness. Jesus wasn't crucified because I was sad. There, there are specific reasons and causes for my griefs and sorrows, which relates to my spiritual condition. Griefs and sorrows relating to sin. Yeah. Mark. Right. Yeah, you can't get around 
substitution for something I did. That's, that's unavoidable. I, I know it's not pleasant, but it's unavoidable. Uh, let's go to Romans 3.25. This is the uh, one that was, was kind of changed. Uh, and So we'll read it, and then I'll, I'll give you the Good News translation version of it. Uh, Cassie, do you want to read Romans 3.25? Okay. The, can, can, very similar to Romans 3 when we read it in a... So this is the good news translation of that. God offered him so that by his blood he should become the means by which people's sins are forgiven through faith in him. There's no... They have completely removed... You see, they've completely removed the mechanism and the, the underlying cause of the sacrifice. They've just, yes, he's atonement, and he's, he's the means by which we're saved. And it's like, like, it's point A and point Z, and all the in-between is gone. Mark? I mean, that's one of the huge elements of why his sacrifice has weight, because we deserve the punishment. <coughs> mm-hmm. He took it, even though he didn't deserve anything. I mean, it's, it's that dichotomy of we deserve it all, but got nothing. He deserved nothing but God at all. Right. You know, that's, that's one of the main key points of why the one mm-hmm. sacrifice needed to be made in the first place. Yeah. Taking that away just removes so much weight from, yeah. it does. from the cross. Yeah, and, and people think that they are <clears throat> doing God a favor. That's the, the, the interesting thing, that, that people think they're doing God a favor by making him look nicer to people. It's like, but you're, you're removing all of his potency. It, how he chose to interact with, with our sin to bring us back into the relationship that you're emphasized on. Like, all of that stuff loses its value. You're right. Um, Mark, you want to read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm on a roll here, so I want to keep this... God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, so now we're going to have to wait a minute. I always try to take things, my default is to take things as absolutely literal until they can't be. Jesus is not a door. We understand that's a metaphor. I, I really hate to metaphorize things unless they have to be. Uh, there are two passages that, like, uh, ver- or various passages that, that we have to do this with. Um, and we'll look at another one in the same chapter uh, in a second. But uh, he couldn't literally be sin. I know that that can't be true because if he became sin, then he died a sinner. If he died a sinner, he can't be a lamb without spot or blemish. Therefore, he cannot be a perfect sacrifice. So, so, like, we have to figure out what he became in relation. But it does connect to sin. Again, we see that the object is sin. What did he become for sin? The same, the same chapter tells me. 
First uh, Corinthians, or I'm sorry, First uh, Corinthians, not Second Corinthians. Uh, right chapter, wrong book. First Corinthians chapter five and verse seven. Cat, do you want to read that? First Corinthians five seven. Okay, in the original, the word lamb is not there. It says Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. The Passover is a holiday. You can't sacrifice a holiday. Literally, that would make no sense. How did they understand it? They understand it as a metaphor. The object of the Passover is what? It all centers around the lamb. That's the atoning sacrifice. Christ is our Passover. They understood it as what you read. So our Bibles, or many of our Bibles, have just kind of added the idea to make it understandable because we go, that makes no sense. Christ our Easter was sacrificed. That makes no sense to people. So it's like, no, 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 no. Christ, our Passover lamb. And so so they do the same thing with the Passover as they do with the idea of sin. Christ isn't sin itself, just like Christ isn't a holiday itself. He's the replacement. In one, he's the replacement for the punishment of sin. In the other, he's the replacement for the Passover sacrifice. He's the, so he's this propitiation. Uh, and again, always comes back to the idea that sin is the object. We take nothing else from today. Sin is the object of the cross. Um, so I want to get then into, we, we, we touched on it in Isaiah but I want to get into some scriptures. We'll kind of roll through these a little bit without a lot of commentary, but just to emphasize the wrath of God. Not because it's more important than the grace of God. That's not why I say we emphasize it. We're emphasizing it because some would like to de-emphasize it. So for a moment, we're going to say, let's focus on this aspect. It's not the primary aspect of God. It's just the one that a lot of people don't want to talk about. So we're going to talk about it. You have a, yeah, I do. I have a question. But sure. You can say no, no, no. Or not help, but um, after I ask it, because it might send us on a different path. Um, so I'm thinking about like all of these translations, and we're talking about the Good News Bible, which was really popular when I was a kid. Yes. Um, and since we've learned that, and you're talking about this morning, that that kind of leads us a little bit astray. And thinking about current culture and translations that may begin to appear or a new translation of sorts. Mm-hmm. Where, <coughs> where does that kind of fit in, in, in the land of sin? I, like if you're translating something and you're kind of I know. I know exactly what you like. Like in terms of, is that it's a sinful translation? Yes. Okay. You can be saved reading the Good News translation. I, I could, I could take a Jehovah's Witness Bible and preach Christ to them. 
out of out of a translation which is specifically designed to be very very wrong uh, to to get rid of a lot of you know new world translation the worst worst translation on the planet right now um, and intentionally so uh, because it's there to justify a lot of false teachings I could still teach Christ from it uh, in terms of the people who did it yeah. Um, we have we have translations that are out there. The like anything Zondervan since 1995 is done with a bias, a stated bias. It's it's done to um, address a lot of the gender stuff that's going on. That's the that's one of the yeah. So, so so I mean that's that's stated in there. Uh, like anything to do with like women leadership, anything that that becomes very 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 vacuous in 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 like niv anything that like if you if you compare the 1984 version with the 1995 and later versions as it's it's night and day you could still be saved from one right salvation doctrine is not now the people who translated it and the people who have those agendas i think will answer to god for it but but in terms of reading it or using it, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a problem. I I would I would hesitate to to rely on it because I think you can get either wrong ideas or at the very least just not clear ideas. Like if I want if I want to know if I was if I was working in in a place and I want to know what is expected of me, I wouldn't want like some third level person over here in another division's paraphrase of some conversation they overheard about what my boss thinks I should do. <laughs> like, I would like it to be pretty clear and accurate, you know. So I, 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 I treat the Bible the same way. I want, some, I want a version or versions, and, and more is helpful in the presence of many counselors. There's wisdom. If if, I want to be. I want to know that the people that were translating it were doing so. With, what was their intent? And and the, the more recent you get, a lot of them are, are have the intent of pushing something and not translating something, and that's the difference. So, uh, right, right, yeah, and and as, as the receiver. Right, yeah. So, so good news. If you are reading it, you can get good things out of it. it just, it's just going to be a little bit. <laughs> most, people, most people are too are pretty hard pressed to only have access to one version at this point. I mean, even here, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 You. Yeah. You can do that with old school too. Yeah. So I, I think actually what we're going to do is I'm going to hold this section because it's a little bit longer. No. 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 Your question. Your question didn't occupy all this time. There was. There's. There's a number of scriptures I want to get to, and I want to do them justice. 
So we'll roll that into next week because, as I say, this is a, a large topic. So we're going to be here for a couple of weeks. Travis, and then we'll close. A lot of young people do want to argue the whole thing that, oh, God just loves us, so they're trying to cheer or water down with punishment. They don't realize that even the loving God can still send people to hell. He yeah, loves. right. My, my mom loved me when she punished me. Didn't mean she hated me. She just had to punish me at that point in time. And, and it, those aren't opposites. They, they exist in a different, a different element of who she is and was. You know, so. All right, good thoughts. And we're dismissed.